Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast with Chris Buda and Brett Hammond. Chris is a lawyer, pastor, and nonprofit executive, and Brett is a producer and business owner. This is part five of our series discussing leadership lessons that Chris learned while on the show Family Feud. And today, Chris discusses how good leaders lean into and celebrate other people's gifts and strengths. So long and short of it, we end up taping Family Feud with Steve Harvey in August of 2012. Uh, and the actual taping of the show and doing the show was so much fun. And again, letting people do what they're gifted at was such an apparent leadership principle that Gabby, who owns the company, produces the company, was good at. She had some of the younger staff doing their thing and they were excellent at it and great leaders I referenced. But that 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 leadership point came out again was like leaders let other people do their thing. I, I just read this quote the other day and I can't remember who said it, but uh, it's like, I, I don't hire people to tell them what to do. I hire people to tell me what to do. I don't know if it was Steve Jobs or someone along those lines, but someone's saying, I, or Bill Gates, I, I want to hire people who are good at what they do. In fact, better at me. That's why I hired them. If you, you be the expert in the room. But we have this tendency, and I don't know if it's a security thing or an insecurity thing more likely, but where we, we, we don't let people run into their skill set. We don't let people soar. We don't let people go. We feel like as a leader, we've got to control. And real leaders say, no, I hired you, Brett, because you're great at that. You do it. So I don't know, you know, as we're producing these broadcasts, these podcasts, I'm talking. Hopefully I'm pretty good at it. If not, I guess no one's listening. But <laughs> but, but I have nothing to do with producing it because you and I talked and Brett, you said what? Let me produce it. Yeah. And, and what did you say about what you do on the weekends? Oh, this is what I do for fun. Yeah. No, it's your gift. And yet it's oftentimes in leadership, we don't allow that to flourish. You bring people in. I was just with a, a man today here in Pittsburgh who was hired to do a certain job, got there and he goes, I, they're not letting me do my job. I mean, and, and he's been around the block a little bit. He's not a, a new employee. He goes, they, they'd literally have me doing data entry when I was supposed to be managing a project. And as we do talk, it sounds like a boss who is insecure, but they're going to lose him because he's not going to continue to do that. So real great leaders bring people in and let them do their thing. And this is this is why I learned to watch Steve Harvey go. And I referenced this in an earlier talk, but they just let him do his thing. He's a stand-up comedian at, at his core. He even talked about, someone asked him about the movies and he goes, I stink at movies. He goes, I'll never do it. No, because I'm terrible at movies. <laughs> but he's, he's a, you know, speak off the cuff. I hear something and I'm going to jump on it. I'm going to run with it. <laughs> so if you've watched the Family Feud show, typically when someone new is up, the champs, they do this once and then they kind of know who that family is. So we come on and I can't remember the name of the family. Uh, anyway, but they, they were on for like three shows or two or three shows. So now the Buddha family's new. So when it was our turn to answer, he'd say, Chris, tell me a little about yourself. And he'd say, hey, you know, my name's Chris. And that's why we practice this. So you'd have something to say. And then he started saying, ah, oh, Pittsburgh Steelers, man. You know, he even said Steelers. And he's like, yeah, can't stand them. <laughs> he's a Cleveland guy. <laughs> so he was making fun of, you know what I mean? He's like, I'm a Browns boy. I'm a Cleveland Brown. But he's thought, but so he would just go down and do that. And so he, to watch him hear stuff. And again, I don't know if he had notes. Maybe he had notes. But even if he had notes, Brett, I, most of this is just his brain moving and he would hear stuff and then he would go and run with it. So he gets to Trevor and this is where I think he had notes and Trevor says something about popping and break dancing because they told him to say that Steve Harvey had him come out and dance in front of the whole audience again. So it was just fun him dancing with Steve. Uh, he, he goes to Andrew and asks Andrew and the kind of the things we said in Pittsburgh at the, 
at the tryout. They were kind of repeating that stuff, but he's just being as funny as heck. JT says, I'm a Chinese major and this is something in Chinese. And Steve Harvey goes, oh, you speak Chinese, man. JT's like, yes, sir. He goes, yeah, I speak Chinese too. JT goes, really? He goes, yeah, you go ahead. Ask me, ask me, say something in Chinese. And JT goes, say something in Chinese. He goes, Mugu Gai Pan. <laughs> he goes, that don't work. I say number three. You know, but, 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 but he's taking whatever you say and that's an art, man. I, and I, I love people who can hear something and immediately taking a direction. Sometimes it gets you in trouble. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, but he's so good at it and, and watching him. So he goes through all my guys, ask him a question. And as they uh, tell me about stuff, as they mention some things, again, he kind of makes fun of it or teases them and says something. So he gets to Mark and Mark at this point was between junior and senior year in high school. And Mark's uh, the biggest one of my kids is six, almost six, three and plays football through javelin in college and at this point was the long flowing sunshine hair stage where he had the flowing blonde locks that were down to his shoulders. And again, he's at the end because I think I told you they moved Trevor closest to me and shifted everyone down. So now he's at the end and he's just a big, big boy. And he's also the introvert who I said was going to punch me in the face when at tryouts when he said, hi, my name's Mark and handed it down with a big <laughs> yeah. smile. Then the smile left his face. Anyway, so Steve gets to, to Mark. He said, Mark, tell me about yourself. And Mark does a great job. Big smile. Good looking boy. Smile. Hi, my name is Mark. I'm a senior around 11 high school. And then he just doesn't say anything. <laughs> just keeps the smile there. And Steve Harvey, who's standing in front of us, starts doing the backpedal. And, and I'm looking at Steve from where I am. And I'm looking at Mark. And I get it's on TV at one point. You can see I've got a funny looking grin because I'm uncomfortable at this point. Like, <laughs> where is this going to go? Uh, I hope this is the part they cut. And Steve Harvey's backpedaling and coming back towards me. He's like, oh. So what's your major? <laughs> and Mark, who doesn't suffer fools well, he goes, I said I'm in high school. Mark kind of chided him with that, kind of that, like, how dumb are you look? He said, I said I'm in high school. Steve Harvey kind of goes blank, goes, and he starts cussing. He's like, damn, son. He's like, what? <laughs> he's like, he's like you're the biggest one. And he just starts running, you're the biggest one here, man. He goes, you got that Goldilocks flow. He goes, you got that five o'clock shot on your face. I thought you were the oldest one here. You're the biggest one here. And he, he just goes, you look like you could be at the beach with a surfboard, man. He goes, yeah, I thought you were a grown butt man. He's just going on and every, all the guys are laughing. And Mark's just got a smile on his face. And uh, he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, man. He goes, oh, man, that's crazy. He goes, so you got a lot of girlfriends? <laughs> Steve Harvey says. And Mark in his own inimitable ways laughing. Then goes deadpan. No. <laughs> so JT is not like me. He's He wants to interject and help protect people. And he's like, well, we can't say about the girlfriends because mom's in the audience. And Steve Harvey goes, your, mo your mama here? <laughs> he starts going street. Where's 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 Mama Buddha? And uh, he's looking up in the crowd. Where's Mama Buddha? He's looking for my wife Cindy in the crowd. But we just had so much fun laughing. Then then eventually we have to answer the question. I don't remember what the question was. But he did all this off the cuff. He did all this that had nothing to do with the, you know, a hundred people say, what's your favorite candy to eat at the movies or something? You know, he's just talking to people. He's just interacting with people. He's just being silly. He's a stand-up comedian. He's making the mundane, funny. He's taking simple things and, and twisting them enough to tell a tale and, and laugh. But I'm watching going, this guy is fantastic. And I admire so much, again, Gabby. And I, part of me, literally, I'm literally thinking this during the show because I can't help but dissecting. I'm going... Gabby, who owns this thing, is sitting. She sat in the pilot seat. So she would have been in the front row of the audience, behind the computer. She's watching everything and directing everything. And she's just sitting there laughing. She's just enjoying Steve Harvey being Steve Harvey. She's just letting him do his thing. 
And I thought there's so many people who can't handle that, who are controlling, who want don't want anyone else to steal the limelight, whether it's a boss who can't have someone who's beneath them get the credit for it, whether it's someone in the family. And I'm thinking, this is what leadership is. She got Steve Harvey on contract and said, Steve, freaking do Steve, man, because you are the stuff and you got this magic happening. And Steve Harvey did it. And for me, I watch that and go, that's just fun. We lose a game. I haven't mentioned that yet. Spoiler, we lose the game. And we go backstage and there's a part where the other team gets to go for fast money and they shuffle us off behind our name. And uh, Sarah came back and Bryce came back and shake her, shake her hands and you guys are awesome. And I'm like, well, you know, we lost, right? They're like, no, 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 you, you're awesome. Kind of harkens back to someone keeps, the leader keeps the big picture in mind. Their point was, sorry, you didn't win, but it was a great show. Yeah. You guys interacted well with Steve. Everyone laughed. It's going to be great TV theater when we put this on the air. That was August 2012. So we tried out October 11, 2011, taped August 2012, and go home. Happy with fun stories to tell. But the one thing we're not allowed to do is we're not allowed to say we won or lost. Because the idea is, now we want people watching the show to do this. So you can't put on social media, you went down there, but we lost. Like, you can't say anything until, you know, the, the show airs. It doesn't air until the summer, June of 2013. Uh, we have a we have a pre preview party or a, t- a premiere party at a local restaurant here in Pittsburgh. We just with friends. We had about a hundred people there. Again, just for laughs and giggles. But the hysterical thing was everyone's saying, uh, you, "I know how it ended," but I have no idea what the 22 and a half minutes of TV is going to look like. Because as I was saying, they hired Steve Harvey and said, "Steve, be Steve, do your thing, man. Be the comedian, be fun, be loving, be winsome, be all those things." We will figure out how to condense that into 22 and a half minutes. So the one thing I told people when they said, well, how'd you do it? I said, we can't tell you, you got to wait to see the show. Uh, I said, but I will tell you this. It was a lot of fun. How much fun was it? We were on stage for an hour and a half for one game because he just went off on this ring. At one point, so then you answer questions. So that was just the introduction when he's making fun of Mark. You 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 ask questions and he, he you know you answer the question. And if you know the show, they say, don't sit there and look blank and have them put the X on your face. And the point is, it makes for better theater. But they also want Steve to have an opportunity. Give a stupid answer. Give one that is obviously not up there. But we don't want you going, uh, pass. They say, say something stupid. The underlying point is because Steve will mock you and make fun of you. (laughs) And even you will laugh at what, you know what I'm saying? So the the one thing I remember most was they were asking, uh, you know, they they can't fix the game, but they can dictate which questions get asked. So they were asking, I, I would call them frat boy questions. I'm like, Gabby, you don't know my two college kids and two high school kids the way they've been brought up, they're not the frat boy type. Uh, but the one question was, what would a what would a guy look forward to be able to do if he was a dog? And so, you know, I went first. I'm like, uh, run on the beach. You know, one was howl at the moon. My guys are thinking like that. One's, you know, be able to sleep all day and wh- whatever, you know. Yeah. But if you know the show, the one that got 60 out of 100 answers, the first one, everyone gets that. Then it gets increasingly harder until there's like two answers left with one person who set them each. So, you know, they're these random weird butt answers and that's when they say you got to give us an answer so literally they get to jt and jt was good at the game uh better than any other as i think and he gets to jt and we're out of like answers that would be even reasonable and they said what would a guy look forward to doing if he was a if he was a dog and jt kind of shaking his head like no like don't make me say this but i gotta say something instead of getting next out and uh jt goes well i'm not saying it'd be me but some guys would be able to enjoy being able to lick himself (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. It's like, oh, my friends and family are watching this. And that's the answer he gives on national TV. Steve Harvey lost his mind. <laughs> he literally starts doing like a shimmy, shimmy shake. He's like, oh, you, oh. And he leans over and he high fives JT. He's like, you have no idea. He, and then he start. he just turns to the audience and starts in a, a stand up comedy. He goes, ladies, you have no, I wouldn't even be here today if I could. It's like, I'd be at home all day. And he just starts going off. And it's like, oh my gosh! It's like I, I'm embarrassed partly because that was such an embarrassing answer. It's like, well, they told us to ask, answer it. But he's just going on and on. That alone, I think, took five to ten minutes. Steve Harvey just, just, just doing that. But because of those things, he did that for our answers. Did that if the other family gave a bad answer, he would do that, and he would just do his thing. And again, I share that because it's so indelible in my mind. Going, we got 22 and a half minutes to get the show on TV. You do what you do best. Let the producers do what do you're a producer, Brett. Let us do what we do best. We gotta you've got to get 22 and a half minutes because that's the way it works on airtime. But you you soar, you spread your wings, Steve Harvey. You be crazy, you be obnoxious, you be funny, you do all those things. Producers, you be detailed, you be you be good, you be able to pick out what's gonna play on TV, what you can cut on the put on the cutting room floor, and what you should air because it's gonna get the laughs. You know what's gonna get the ratings up. What you can do without you know it's appropriate inappropriate you know what the fcc says is borderline you know you you're the experts that you cut an hour and a half worth of stuff into 22 and a half minutes but steve harvey you be great at what you do producers you be great at what you do so as we're getting ready to watch the premiere everyone's like you know i said it was an hour and a half i have no idea how they're getting 22 minutes into it i sat there with a hundred of our friends watching this, were you there? I don't think you were in town at that I think point. I was. No, I was in. You a might have been. You might have state. been in L.A. at that point or Texas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I told you I was on stage. I'm thinking of these leadership lessons I'm learning. I'm sitting at home in Pittsburgh with my friends watching this, and I'm just enthralled by the show. I. It was me. I, I watched. <laughs> I know what happens. I know how it turns out. I know we lose. I know. I. I, I can remember what answers the kids gave. I know what answers I gave. But the way that they cut it, it was like, how did, I was amazed. I think an hour and a half of him doing stand-up with a little bit of the Buddhas and the Murphy family, whoever it was, you know, we're kind of the sideshow in many ways. It's a Steve Harvey show. We're kind of just a prop that he uses to <laughs> do his stand-up comedy in a good way. It's like, but I, I, I was shocked at how enthralled I was in watching the show going, I live this and this is amazing. And how much different it looked by the way they produced it, sliced it, spliced it and put it together. Uh, all that happens and their ratings are so high because of the fact that they leaders let people do their thing. And when you got a producer who hires young producers who are outstanding and lets them do it, when you hire a front man or the, 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 the face of the show to do what he does and let him do it, good things happen. Think about how that applies in your life as a worker. Whether or not you're a CEO, whether or not you're the first year employee, don't be intimidated to let other people be excellent. Don't, don't be afraid to be a cheerleader for other people. I think so often interpersonal relationships get hurt because of insecurity, because we don't want to look like we're out of control or, or understand that someone else may be better than we are at something. Man, celebrate people's strengths. Leverage their gifts. Let them soar. And then I guess part of us has to trust that we're going to have our opportunities soar well. But true leaders are going to hire good people. They're going to bring on good people. They're going to let them soar. Again, in the nonprofit world, it's amazing how many people I saw who were trying to build local boards or committees and stuff. And they were oftentimes bringing in people who didn't have an expertise they didn't have. And when I questioned them, 
the honesty that would come out was they're intimidated. You bring in someone who's made a lot of money or run a successful business and this is my small thing, I feel insignificant. I feel intimidated. And to try to convince people, it's like, no, if you bring in the right people, let them be experts. Hopefully they've also got enough dignity in class. They're not going to treat you that way, but that you get to leverage their gifts. But I think it's something we miss out on. So I would I would ask you what that looks like in your life, particularly in work. Are you willing to let other people soar? Are you willing to bring other people on your project, on your team, cut them loose, say, be great at what you're great at, and that's going to make us all great. Thanks so much for listening. Next week is the final episode of this series, and Chris talks about how good leaders are able to admit it when they're wrong. This podcast is recorded and produced by me, Brett Hammond, at www.bhammond.com. 